welcome or welcome back to B&B Anime. It has been a long time, probably not, well, not that long for you since you've last heard my voice. It's been one week, two weeks, I suppose, since you last heard my voice. But um, yeah, no, it's been a really long time for me. Really, really long time. How about you, Brad? It's, How are you doing? How's, how's uh, it to have I'm me not, back? I'm not okay. I'm not okay. Not I'm okay? so glad you're back. Thank <laughs> God you're back. Yeah. I have missed you. Yeah, the last time I recorded was about a week before Christmas. And it was like two weeks before that whenever we recorded the prior two episodes. So it's basically been a month since I've heard your voice and it has been missed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's been a long time. I have been crazy busy living a very bizarre life right now. Uh, But how have you been? How have you been doing? How did last week's episode go all by yourself flying solo? Uh, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. I've heard good feedback from it. That's don't good. get me wrong, but it's not the same. You really are the heart and soul of this. So Aww. I could not be any happier to have you back because it's really, I touched on it a little bit last week, but whenever you're so used to having someone to bounce back and forth off of and just be able to joke around with and cut up and carry on, it was so different having to sit down in silence and just talk mm-hmm. for like 50 minutes by the time it was done it was like 31 but i talked and talked and talked and by the time it was all said and done i was so exhausted mm-hmm. i hated it but it's i guarantee you it's much better than it would have been had you and i had something like this happen whenever we started back in march of last mm-hmm. year yeah but still to me i just uh Welcome back. <laughs> Thank let's, you. let's just put it that way. Welcome back. Yeah, no, I'm really happy to be back. I'm sorry I missed last week. I was looking forward to recording last week, but of course life just didn't work out that way. For those of you, I, I know you did mention something about it last week, didn't you? I did. I just gave a little bit of insight on what had happened and then just kind of left it at that. Yeah, so my mom is a breast cancer survivor. She had only stage one breast cancer when I was like 19 years old. It was one of the reasons why I came back from modeling and like ended that part of my career because I needed to be home and help out with stuff. And yeah, my, it actually went really, really well for my mum. She, they caught it very, very early and it was a super easy process, but we have a very, very strong history in the family of breast cancer and a couple of other types of cancer as well. And breast cancer progressing into other types of cancer. So my mom's been on a certain medication that uh, is like a hormone suppressant kind of thing. It's pretty common. And then um, that had a reaction with her like ovaries and uterus and like all of that fun stuff. And so uh, she ended up developing a couple tumors that were pretty big, uh, like baseball size. Oh. Yeah. So they were causing her a lot of discomfort, pressing on her bladder, stuff like that, just like not being very nice for life. So uh, she, yeah, they they did a biopsy on them. They didn't think that they were going to be cancerous, but they obviously needed to remove them anyway. And then, so my mom went into surgery a couple weeks ago to get a full hysterectomy, the whole lot out. I know sometimes the hysterectomy can sometimes be like just sections, but my mom got the whole dang thing out. And along with those two rather large tumors. And yeah, she's been recovering ever since. But of course, with COVID and all of the regulations that have changed and uh, last minute decisions that have been made by the hospital because of, you know, the fact that all non-emergency surgeries were uh, actually halted after my mom's surgery. 
My mum was the last surgery, and then they were like, clinic is shut down. That's it. <laughs> so my mum got in there in the nick of time. But yeah, uh, so like it's just been it's just been crazy. Mum's been home. She's doing really well, recovering really fast, which is great. And um, but yeah, like a, it was just like a, her mo- mobility is super limited, and yeah, it was just like life. You know, you gotta care for someone who does their surgery. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it all went really, really well, and she's on the fast track to recovery, and uh, she's actually found a, what are those people, personal trainer, a personal trainer that works with women who's just undergone surgeries, and mm-hmm. so when she's fully recovered, she's going to start working with this personal trainer to like regain all of her muscle and stuff, because she can't use her abdominal muscles at all right now, and mm-hmm. they got pretty weakened whilst she was had the tumour as well, so yeah, she's like... Looking forward to getting her strength back. Well, I'm glad that mom's home and recovering and everything is going well, because I know that that had to put a strain on everything else. And I know that I know how much you were worrying and everything else. So I'm glad that she's home and recovering and everything is going smoothly, especially with everything else that's going on in the world right now. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, oh, we did also get the results back from the after the tumors were removed biopsy. Um, and yeah, cancer-free on both fronts. All good. Well, that's that's definitely good to hear. Definitely a blessing. Yeah, 100%. We're uh, pretty happy with that news. Pretty excited about that. So, uh, but yeah. Can't say I blame you on that mm, at all. It's been... It's been a time because of that, and then, like, obviously, the rest of the Christmas season. We've had a pretty big lockdown out here in in uh, Canada. We've had some numbers increasing where I am, and uh, and things are shutting down even more so than they, I think, so far have up until this point in COVID. I feel like the restrictions are probably the most prominent now than they have ever been since the beginning of the virus. Mm-hmm. What about you? Uh, I don't, I don't want to talk about the state of America right now. <laughs> I don't know if you've been up on anything. I've seen some of the the stuff that's been happening with yeah politics and riots and yeah. I'm not, I'm not one to touch on politics at all because that's not me. Whether I share the same values with people or not, I don't discuss politics Mm -hmm. and the situation that is going on in the country right now is just fucking ridiculous yeah it's one of those things where like you want to talk about it because like you feel like it's such a huge event in life but it's such an emotional subject for people especially when people are just coming to listen to a podcast about anime Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're like do i really want to go into details about how i feel about this topic right now Mm -hmm. and even when i've streamed i've left it alone because i did stream a little bit in my downtime in fact i had one of my best seed streams ever from a perspective of oh my god i can actually play and do good (laughs) oh wow that's awesome congrats but it's it's just one of those things to where i just i'm over it because all my grandmother does is sit in there and watch the news and talk about everything going on in the world that's all anybody wants to talk about at work and it's just so it's draining i hate to see the state that the country's in and so i'm really hoping here in the next week to two weeks or however long it takes for everything to just kind of settle down and hopefully life goes back to as normal as it can possibly be Mm -hmm. during a pandemic but jesus christ i'm uh, i'm just tired i'm so 
over it. I need I need more hot tub time. Tub club <laughs> needs to <laughs> Tub club needs to come back quickly. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like you know when you hear all those messages about people just being like just stay safe and you know like keep yourself protected, keep your family, your loved ones, everyone close. I feel like that applies like doubly so right now because it well, mm-hmm. triply so because of the politics in America, because of COVID, and then also just because of people's mental health right now. Mhm. It's been the pandemic has been atrocious on people's mental health as it is and then everything else that's going on in the world and especially the political situation just overall state of the country right now. So if there were ever a time for me to sit down and say, please just do everything you can to keep yourself and everyone else around you just safe and keep your mental health in check. Now is the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely that time to really make sure that you're focusing on that self-care and, and, you know, making sure you're checking up on those around you that you don't just take the I'm fines at face value and you really kind of like, not necessarily dig into people's lives, but like, follow up on those kinds of questions, you know? Mm-hmm. And especially since I'm the biggest one of those people to just go, I'm fine, yeah. because I'm fully capable of taking care of myself and dealing with my mental health on my own. Granted, I've struggled with it. And here lately, I've really been struggling with it, at least from an anxiety perspective. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things where if you know someone is very much a uh, I'm fine kind of person, mm-hmm. just be sure to check up on that person. Check up on all your friends. It's just it's the time to where now more than ever we all need to just kind of band together and keep track of everyone because it's it's definitely needed for sure yeah you find those little things in life that are really important to you and just make you feel happy and express your creative sides and uh well (laughs) do artwork maybe which brings us into today's topic Exactly, because we initially had 93 days, 91 days, whatever the title of that anime was scheduled for last week, actually. Mm -hmm. But due to just the current state of the world and also the just overall subject matter of everything, I figured switching to Arte would be a phenomenal choice just to sit down and talk about. But also, to those who are unaware, Blue and I are artists. Yes. Blue being much more of a realism and painting side of things, whereas Mm -hmm. for me, I do a lot of digital art, and that's not something that we sit down and discuss a lot on the podcast. I figured it'd be a little bit better of a switch up to kind of sit down and just talk artsy things and kind of ease back into the recording situation of things because it's been a while for both of us to sit down but also i just figured it'd be a little bit more loose and fun to sit down and talk about that yeah i actually remember i think it was in the summer i think if you go back and listen to some of our episodes over the summer i was talking about the fact that i couldn't find a good art anime and i do not know why this did not come up in my searches but i searched for lists, you know, when you just Google like top 10 sports animes, top 10 shonen animes, you know, you just Google them just to see what other people think. I did that without animes and very few results came up and this didn't. So when Brad suggested this to me, I had absolutely no clue that it existed. And I was very, very excited because I've been looking for an anime focused around art, especially focused around, well, visual arts and traditional visual arts. Um, which is my area, as Brad said. Um, I was lo- I was looking for one and I couldn't really find one. And so this was super exciting to me when I saw it. And it's about Renaissance art in Italy um, during that time period. 
It's focused around a young girl. It's a little bit of a woman power kind of underdog story, which you always can enjoy. But there's some really interesting parts within the art of this that I'm excited to talk about later, about how they mixed modern digital anime, kind of fairly traditional style of anime. There's nothing I feel like crazy different about like the character design or anything in this anime, but mixing that with elements of this renaissance, you know, the really soft faces, really soft hands that you see um, in, in that art style and kind of hinting at each other, but never really crossing over into one genre. Mm-hmm. It was, it was definitely a random chance fine. I've mm-hmm. been, I've spent a lot of the break off on TikTok and just finding, or just trying to dig more into the anime community on TikTok, because with TikTok being the platform that it is, mm-hmm. And just a wide, diverse audience of people on there. I've been able to find a lot more interesting animes. And this is one of those that popped up. And whenever I saw that it was a Renaissance period art anime about a woman trying to find her place in the art world, especially in that time period, I was like, oh, that's, I think that would be a good thing to sit down and watch. And apparently it was a sleeper hit. Mm Mm-hmm. For the spring season. And I think that might be why we couldn't find it. Is because not a lot of people came across it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, honestly, I I completely can understand that. Because I was actively searching for an art anime and didn't find it at the beginning of this year. And and, last year, I'm still in this (laughs) 2020. Oh god, get me out. Um, (laughs) Yeah, at the the beginning of 2020, I was actively looking for an art anime and, and didn't find one. So... Yeah, I really, I can completely understand how it would be one of those ones that's a slow burner. Mm -hmm. However, on the topic of anime and things that make us happy, you know what time it is. So I spoke about it a good bit on last week's episode, Blue. Do not go back and listen to that episode at all. Spoilers! Oh, it's spoilers galore, because you know how you and I break down the episodes normally of the stuff that we talk about on here? Mm Mm-hmm. I did that for the quintessential quintuplets. I did that for the promised Neverland, and I did that for ReZero. Oh, so wow. do not go back and listen to that episode if you don't want those things spoiled for you. Also, don't go listen to that episode in general. Okay. Holy shit! Okay. <laughs> I just mean that for you. Anyone else, if you're interested in it, and especially those three anime in general, do it. But for you, I know how excited you were for those last two and mm-hmm. for Doctor Stone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I f- don't. I feel like that's something that maybe we should do every now and again is just find like four random animes, only watch the first episode of them, and just talk about the first episodes of each of those four random animes and see if we're going to continue watching them, what we think of them. Because I feel like it'd be a good thing for like you guys at home that are listening to this to, you know, kind of like maybe discover something new that you've watched or be like, you should do a full review of this one because... I really think that you'll enjoy it, the later episodes of it. Well, it's one of those things, too, to where whenever I talked about the winter season being stacked this year, mm-hmm. let me just go ahead and sit down and tell you, with all of the debuts that are going on right now, mm-hmm. it is absolutely fucking stacked. Mm-hmm. One of the anime that just released has become the highest debut romance animes in history. Oh, wow. It's had the most watches out of any other anime in its debut week. There's that one, and there have been quite a few others that have cropped up that are just absolutely taking the anime world by storm. And it's one of those things to where I would almost be tempted to do that again next week if I wasn't so fucking excited to watch Haikyuu. 
I feel like 2020 was a fantastic year for people who were kind of dabbling in anime to really get their teeth gripped into it. And because of mm -hmm. that, I feel like this is the first season that has like, I don't know, 200% the amount of watches than normal, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, not only that, but it was an anime that was I didn't see a lot of. It was one of those to where I ran across the trailer on TikTok and I was like, oh, that looks interesting. I really like the art style. The art style reminded me of like an updated version of My Little Monster. I guess the closest thing to it would be Orange, mm -hmm. which I think I have scheduled for sometime in the near future. I can't remember. It's been ages since I've actually looked at the schedule. But the character design is very similar to that. And the eyes remind me a lot of like Chihayafuru and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was just immediately pulled in by that. But then seeing the types of characters and everything else in it, I was immediately just kind of sucked into it. And if I hadn't had so much going on this week, I really wanted to sit down and watch the first episode. But there's so much mm -hmm. to try to sit down and watch this season. So I would honestly be fine with like the week after next or whatnot going through some of the other stuff that's going on yeah. this season and just kind of giving it a try and seeing what we think and if there's anything that we'd want to continue watching because right now quintessential quintuplets dr stone re-zero and the promised neverland are going to take up the vast majority of my spare time but i'm totally fine with kind of dabbling in anything else and seeing if there's anything that just kind of snatches my attention yeah i feel like that's a that's a really smart idea we could just do like a first episode first episode only podcast where we just Obviously, you've watched the first episode and second episodes of a couple of them. But, like, yeah, if we go through and watch all of the first episodes of some of the new stuff that's been coming out. Because, obviously, there's new first episodes coming out every week. So, mm -hmm. Honestly, I think we should do that. The second yeah. week of every season, we sit down and cover everything. Except for spring. Because spring, those first three episodes I already have planned out because it's three topics. Yes. That I know you and I are both incredibly excited for. We'll do that on the fourth week then. <laughs> spring can yeah. come a little later. Yeah. Spring, spring can wait because as of right now, oh my God, I know I messaged you and told you about ReZero, but my heart, I have, I watched ReZero as it was coming out or right as it finished. I don't remember, but holy shit, I have waited for four fucking years to get this episode. I am so happy. My heart is so full. It is, I have nothing but high praise for this season of it the promised neverland kicked off exactly how it started with cliffhangers on every episode the storytelling is at its best we're finding more and more stuff out as we go along being introduced to new characters and also the op for it i think you will really like as well because mm -hmm. it seems a little throwbackish. oh okay it's really interesting to see how it's playing out and then of course, your anime of 2020 that we covered, Dr. Stone. I sat down and watched the first episode before we sat down today, and I'm not going to say a lot, but holy shit, the shenanigans are back, and I am so happy. I am really excited to watch it. I've been so crazy busy that I haven't managed to watch it yet, but I promise I'll probably watch it before this episode even comes out. So, like, it's <laughs> it's it's gonna happen this weekend. I'm super, super excited about it. I'm really excited about The Promise in Everland as well, because that cliffhanger of an ending that kind of wraps stuff up, but also left you with so many questions. 
Uh, yeah, I'm excited about that one too. Mm, and also, the OP for it had a little bit of a hidden detail that I found interesting in that I think the first season or the second season is going to take place over a longer time span than others. Oh, interesting. And the only reason I'm pointing it out is because I just noticed it with this week's episode i hadn't noticed it before but emma gets like a little side uh ponytail braid okay and with her hair being as short as it is that tells me that we're gonna have a time jump yeah we're gonna have a little bit of a time jump okay that's really interesting i wonder if any of our theories i'm gonna gonna have to go back and listen to the end of that episode of when we covered the first season because i always like to hear what our theories were right after watching it and compare Mm -hmm. them to what actually happens when it comes out Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm not a hundred percent certain with ReZero yet, but judging by the time frame with which they're moving with stuff, I know you and I had discussed theories as far as where the second core is going to go, mm-hmm. and there is no possible way that they're going to wrap up everything with the season if they only have 10 episodes left. Oh, wow. Okay. Because after you watch these two episodes, you'll kind of get the idea of what I'm going for with it. Mm -hmm. But it's, they're moving at a rate with everything else that they have going to where I don't, there is no possible way. If they do it and they continue with the same type of storytelling that they've been going along with, I don't, I'm worried by it if they do pull it all off. But I'm not going to lie. I'm totally down with the third season. Do not rush it, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, it, it's it's a very delicate balance between finding the right amount of episodes to cover the right amount of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like when, um, do you remember when, like, all of those movies decided, like, that were based on book series, decided that they were going to split the last book into two movies? It was like, mm-hmm. Harry Potter, I think the Twilight series did it, Hunger Games did it. Mm-hmm. I feel like there were some others as well. Well, they all split the last book. And I think Harry Potter started it because, like, The Deathly Hallows is one of the biggest books. I know Order of the Phoenix is the biggest, but I feel like Deathly Hallows is like second biggest. And there was so much that happened between it, they logically thought, okay, we'll split it. And then all of the other books kind of followed suit when they didn't necessarily have to. And you could feel that the the plot, like timing was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. It was. It didn't suit everything else that they had done, but also in the case of the Deathly Hallows, they still managed to fuck it up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, there's a, uh, that's a thing that only English people are going to get. There's a reference I think only English people are going to get, but Mm -hmm. my, it, for jokes for English people that may be listening, my family calls Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1, Harry on Camping. (laughs) (laughs) You'll either get the joke or you won't, but we'll go with it. Uh, I can, I can understand the joke. I can understand the humor by it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Um, But yeah, so I I feel like there's a very delicate balance between pacing stuff and ReZero Mm -hmm. is one of those ones I feel like if they don't play it, I don't necessarily want to say safe because you don't want them to play it safe, but if they don't really consider the pacing, it could go very wrong very quickly. Mm -hmm. But I will say that they keep the, or at least so far, they've kept the use of everything that they have at their disposal the same like they are just masterfully telling a story mm-hmm. and there's so many subtle details sprinkled in to where if you don't notice it you miss it like take episode 40 for instance whenever you watch it and this is for all the people at home too but even for you blue if you do decide to sit down and watch it before we record the next episode 
pay attention to the eyes in the second half of the episode. They tell a story that's just as important as everything else going around. I almost missed it the first time watching it through, but then I sat back and started noticing a little bit more, and I was like, oh, oh god, rewind that. Because it's just, there's a level of detail that just goes beyond words with this season, and especially with how the first core wrapped up it's necessary and i just i love it so much i felt like i was being a little harsh on the first episode because it was just kind of getting us back into the swing of everything Mm -hmm. but now with the second episode they have just wrapped me back up and i'm so ready to see where they go and just if they need to get a third season by all means just don't don't fuck up what they have going because oh my god i'm loving so much of it have you noticed any um animation differences between the first and second seasons of any of the shows that you've been watching the quintessential quintuplets they have eased back on the plot a Mm -hmm. little bit okay (laughs) which is like just it's almost a running joke online i think that's the main reason i noticed it is just because of how much they've cut back on it like um and uh food was first versus second season uh yeah a little bit and so it's a little bit of those but for so far the promised neverland seems like it's gotten an increase in animation budget just mm-hmm. just a little bit because they feel like they're playing more with cgi and lighting and i love that they're taking a risk on it because it's paying off mm-hmm. so far and dr stone they don't have to fuck with their animation because what they do with it is just it's so playful and just it gets the point across like it's so bombastically over the top with some of their stuff that it's just part of its charm and it's lovable so they don't need like a budget increase with its animation yeah i really feel like watching that behind the scenes video for dr stone gave us a whole new level of a level of appreciation for the animation style of the show Mm-hmm. I feel like those are, are those little episodes where they do those those behind the scenes moments are really special in shows, and I would like mm-hmm. to see more of them in the future. Obviously, they're going to be very different now, but I even wouldn't mind an at home vlog style version of it for the second season or for a different show or something of the the artists working in their home studios and like <laughs> faxing <laughs> what they're doing through to the next person. You know, I feel like that would. That would be a really cool thing to see, like, at-home vlogs of of how they work from their home studios. Agreed. And also, I just want to see more at-home versions of that anyway. I know that I told you that Shihaifuru has one of those as well, so I'm interested once we sit down to watch some of that, to watch that behind the scenes and just see what their take on it is, because they're animation style, especially on the eyes, is far better than most of the stuff that we've watched. Yeah. So I'm just curious to see how much work and passion goes into it, like what they did with Dr. Stone, because Dr. Stone truly was like a love letter mm-hmm. to the manga. So I'm I'm just always curious to see how all that stuff plays out. Yeah, it's really interesting to see what the anime artists interpret from the manga artist and how they kind of make it their own and make it unique, but still try and capture that same essence and same art style into what they're doing in the animation. But mm-hmm. obviously, like, they don't want it to be an exact replica because they're they're artists in their own right, and they want to be able to 
put their own mark on it, right? Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of that just has to do with the director and whatnot as well, and mm-hmm. just kind of what his vision on it is. Because manga are left up to interpretation, so the yeah. writers for those have a direction that they want it to go, but they still give studios a little bit of leeway to kind of do with it as they please to make it fit. And I think a lot of shows have done really well with that, and then others, there is just no manga to keep up with, so they kind of have to make their own decision from there. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of people find um, Full Metal Alchemist and Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood really, really interesting to compare each other to. Because obviously, mm-hmm. Full Metal Alchemist had to kind of go off on its own when it caught up to the manga, whereas Brotherhood was made after the entire manga came out. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where I actually have Brotherhood scheduled for, I think, like the end of April or the first of May. Mm-hmm. And so I want to try to sit down with you and figure out how we want to do that, because Brotherhood is one of those to where I think it would be cool to sit down and cover mm-hmm. about 65 episodes. How the fuck are we going to pull that off? <laughs> yeah. It would be really fascinating to me if you could get, like, four different studios and give them the same manga and tell them to just do with it what they will and just create like get them to create like 12 episodes of the same manga and that just, would be yeah. that'd be a really interesting thing to see and i'm having people just hound the hell out of me to watch the latest season of attack on titan mm. because of the story that's going on but also the fact that it's not the same studio that did the first three seasons because they handed it off to mappa because the studio that did it was a smaller studio yeah for the first three seasons and where the fourth season is going and how big and grand it's going to be they just said they couldn't handle it mm-hmm. so they handed it off to mappa because mappa was for one the only studio that they wanted to do it, but also MAPPA was also the only studio that wanted to take it on because of what it needed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, t- not like there's any kind of pressure or anything. Mm-hmm. So um, I really want to sit down and watch it at some point whenever I have a little bit more time just to kind of compare, especially with the conversation that you and I have had about it, just because I wonder how much different it's going to be. And with it being its final season... What sort of legacy is it going to leave on? Because no matter what the three seasons before it had to say, this is going to be the final stamp on it. So this is going to be what people remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I'm intrigued for yeah. sure. Yeah, very much so. So much going on right now with anime. So much. But also, it might as well be the time for it because most of the world is in lockdown. So let's just let's give the people what they want. Give them anime. Yeah, it gives those cosplayers time to start working on 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 their projects for, for the when the convention season opens back up again. I mean, you know, your boy has started working on his cosplay body, so it's time to it's time to, you know, get ready. Because yeah. I don't know who the hell I'm actually going to cosplay as, but you know what? It'll, it'll be okay. I'll make it work. It's funny because today's topic is one of those things where that triggered my cosplay brain to think, oh, that's a good one. That's what I'm going to I'm gonna you note see, down. Whenever I, whenever I saw the style of the show and I saw Arte's, like, fashion choices with, like, her combination of, like, humble beginnings and also noble outfit ideas i was like this is right up blues alley like this is perfect for you yeah and i just really like the idea of like taking my sketchbook and being like dressed up as her and being able to sit down at a convention under a tree and like just do my sketching which is very similar to her sketching and then be able to just be like yeah i'm just doing me but i'm not doing me (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely 100% right up your alley. Mm-hmm. So I 
I'm glad I kind of picked it out because it's not, we'll get into it later. It was definitely an interesting choice to make, but um, I'm excited to just sit down and talk about it. Yeah. So before we actually get into all that stuff though, do we want to, we want to talk about a little bit of news? Yes. Let's jump into the news. So I was rushed coming <laughs> into this because today has been a very hectic day mm -hmm. for a day off. So I didn't pull a lot of news, but what I pulled was all Demon Slayer news. And mainly the reason that I pulled it is because I have some I have some heartbreaking news for Demon Slayer fans. Oh. It has finally been unseated from the number one spot in the box office. Oh no, how many weeks was that? 12 as the number one and it has finally been unseated and not only was it unseated but it was unseated by an interesting taker in the box office right now okay so do you know anything of what has come out in the box office in the past week or so not really no so sailor moon Eternal Part 1 was one of them, but that's not what unseated it, surprisingly. Because whenever I heard oh. it got unseated, I was like, <gasps> I bet Sailor it was Moon. Sailor Moon. Because I was talking to Janessa about it, because she went and watched it, and she said she absolutely loved it. So I'm waiting for an opportunity to be able to see it, because I fucking love Sailor Moon. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't Sailor Moon. It was Gintama's final anything. But yeah, the Gintama film was what unseated it, and I am shocked by that. Wow. Ah. And it unseated it by a hundred and twenty-two thousand one hundred and ninety-eight dollars. That's so, really not a lot, considering how much Demon Slayer has been bringing in. Yeah. So the box office totals across the board were Demon Slayer was four million one hundred seventy-seven thousand eight hundred and two dollars, and Gintama was four million and three hundred thousand. Yeah. So it barely lost its footing. Mm -hmm. And for it to have been in the theaters for over three months, that's that's wild. Think about it. I didn't I knew it was gonna happen eventually, but I still didn't expect it to happen so soon. Yeah, so, and I feel like especially over the Christmas season, I know that, you know, Christmas isn't the same in Japan as it is here. It's more of like a friendship thing. But I feel like still Demon Slayer in my head isn't exactly the kind of thing that you watch over the Christmas season, you know? Mm -hmm. I think it's quite impressive that it lasted that long in kind of a, well, in, in an incredibly competitive season. I feel like Christmas season leading up to Christmas is when everything drops. Mm -hmm. Yeah, don't, I was, I'm surprised it stayed where it was for so long, but also just by judging what it actually went into the box office, I'm not. Mm-hmm. Because going through the list as I kind of went through, there was nothing that came out that I thought really stood, stood a, chance. a chance up against mm -hmm. it. Except for this week, because I know how popular Gintama is, but especially Sailor Moon. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I was shocked that it wasn't Sailor Moon, but I guess we'll see kind of how the box office rankings kind of go from here. Yeah, I'd be interested to see if, if Sailor Moon ends up taking the top spot like next week or something. Mm -hmm. I'll definitely have to try to remember to pull it up before we sit down to record the next one, because mm -hmm. I really want to see whether Demon Slayer manages to get back into the first slot again, or if it's going to fall to both Gintama or Sailor Moon, or if everything's going to fall to Sailor Moon. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know. So I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes because that's such a seismic shift to the rankings that it's just, I don't know. It's anybody's ball game now. But also, with one final bit of Demon Slayer news, the English dub 
trailer for Mugen Train has finally dropped. So what that means is that it's getting closer to time for Mugen Train to finally show in theaters in North America. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things to where... If they show it in theaters near me, I'm going to have to go. Mask up, yeah. Uh, I will wear 37 masks just so I can okay. go see this. I'm bringing a bucket of hand sanitizer. We're going. Uh, a bucket of hand sanitizer. And honestly, I'm not even going to wear a face mask. I'm going to buy a respirator from work. I will spend $50 on a fucking mask so I can just get go a see this film. Just get a hazmat suit. Honestly, yes. Like, hazmat suit while also wearing a trash bag and like face shield over the respirator like i'm going to see this film Mm -hmm. that's a fashion statement if i ever heard of one i mean at this point we all know me and you know me well enough to know i have no shame ghostbusters got nothing on you uh yeah that's (laughs) you damn right honestly can i just get a pink hazmat suit because if i can fuck yeah oh yeah sparkles Pink and sparkles. Uh, yes. Let me just cover my hazmat suit in glitter paint, please. Yeah. So speaking of articles of clothing. Okay. So you know how I told you that Cloak had a Black Friday deal and I ordered my stuff? Yes, I did. Well, it took like two months for me to get my shit, but I finally got it. Ooh. Mate, why did no one tell me joggers could be so awesome? <laughs> I practically live in joggers. Well, no one had told me this. Like, these, I don't know if it's just because it's cloak, because we all know how much I love my cloak. Don't get me wrong. But none of their other articles of clothing are this fucking soft. Like, I pulled these things out of the package the day that I got them, and I felt them, and I was like, oh, like, that's really awesome. But then I actually put them on after I washed them, and I was like, oh. Oh. It's like, these things are legitimately the most comfortable things I've ever put on, and now I never want to take them off. But then I'm like, ew, they're dirty. <laughs> ew. Ew. Why are you doing Somebody needs to invent self-cleaning clothes. Honestly, yes. Or at least find me some, like, self-cleaning resin I can put on these joggers to where I can just wear them all the time, please and thanks. Also, can I just quit my job to where I can wear these at home? Mm-hmm. Like, just give it to me. Give it all to me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's definitely something I think I'm going to order more of in the future because I, again, I had no clue these things were so damn comfortable. But then I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I need more. It's like a more. weird addiction to joggers. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah. I love comfortable clothes. Like, I don't care how much I have to spend anymore to make sure clothes are comfortable. Like, I don't give a shit what they look like. Just give me comfortable clothes. Give me comfort. Comfort and fashion is optimal choice. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just for me. I don't, I don't really, I love to dress up. Don't get me wrong. My suits are some of my favorite things on the planet, but they're also extremely comfortable. Like yeah, comfort you're a, for you're me a zero means to more than anything. You're a guy, aren't you? You're like either do not give a shit about appearance or dress to the nines. Well, it's one of those things to where I like to be presentable because your first impressions with people are going to be the most lasting most of the time. Yeah. So I always want to try to at least look decent. Like I'm not going to, I'm not just going to go to the store in shorts, a t-shirt and flip-flops because that's not who I am. I'm going to put on a nice pair of jeans if it's my day off and one of my cloak t-shirts and Mm -hmm. my work shoes because my work shoes are actually a nice pair of dress shoes, but at the end of the day, the thing about it is, is that I like to dress nice because also clothes that you, you get what you pay for in clothes, mm-hmm. at least for somebody that's like me, that's really hard on the clothes I wear. Mm-hmm. 
So if I buy a $10 t-shirt, I'm going to wear it out extremely quickly. Mm-hmm. Whereas my cloak, I haven't lost a single shirt yet. My jeans are expensive. Well, I say expensive. I know clothes get really expensive, but there's some of the, I don't like to spend as much money on clothes as I have here recently, but it's one of those things that I've noticed that if I spend like 75 to a hundred dollars on a pair of jeans, they will last me forever. Yeah. And we're also like, both you and I are kind of weirdly shaped humans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, we don't, we don't fit in the normal like clothing. So quite often we're finding odd sizes. We're looking at like specific measurements. We have to look up sizing charts, you Mm -hmm. know, especially for shirts. For me, yeah. like I, if I don't have a tall available, I have to shop at least one to two sizes up. And to find clothes in a 4X or 5X, depending on the brand, instead of a 3X tall, is almost fucking impossible. Yeah. So when you find a brand that works for you, it's like you just latch onto it. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that's another reason why I'm a big proprietor of cloak is that their sizing chart is true to size and they actually make stuff for most of their drops that fit me to where i'm like mm-hmm. yes finally thank god mm-hmm. because typically once you start to get into the x's you have to get a tall because yeah. i think after a 2x or a 3x they stop getting longer and they just get wider mm-hmm. but at least with cloak they continue to add length into it Mm-hmm. So that's another thing that just kind of makes me happy is that I get the added length because I hate being out in public and having to reach above my head and my shirt coming up and exposing my stomach. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have a huge issue with pants and trousers. I've spoken about this a couple of times, but it's just really frustrating to me. And I know it's not only frustrating to me as a tall girl. I know it's really frustrating to a lot of shorter girls as well, because I went to school with um, a, a really cool girl who is plus size, but she's really short, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, she has a really big issue because she goes for the waist size that she needs, but then they increase in length because for some reason, if they're wide, then they're long, but if they're skinny, then they're short because plus size short girls don't exist and skinny tall girls don't exist. And it's one of those things to where I feel like the reverse of the, or like it's the reverse of those. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's just really, it's really frustrating because like in this, I think the biggest thing that I find frustrating about this is that in men's jeans, in men's pants, in the same store, you just walk across to the other side of the store. They have, they are, they're sized in waist and length. You know, you get your 32, 34 or whatever it is that you need a 34, 30, 30, whatever, mm-hmm. you know? And that's what I was about to say, too, is that I don't understand why the sizing charts are so different. Like, men, we basically have the ability to tailor our pants to us. And Mm -hmm. women, it's just like, pick a number and hope it fucking works. And I don't understand why that is the way it is. I don't understand the double standard of what's going on here. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, because, like, guys, I find their clothes are either sized in, like, a small, medium, large, extra large etc or they are in inches whereas Mm -hmm. women's are in like size sometimes size zero two four six sometimes in like double zero three five seven which is also confusing like why are they odd numbers sometimes and even numbers other times and then they're different from store to store Mm -hmm. yeah it's like there's no just commonality between it all they're just like 
oh, here's this, this, and this. But if you go over here, it's that, that, and that. It just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And I get it. Brands size a little bit differently, but it's especially harder on y'all. And I don't, I don't understand why it is the way it is. Why can't there just be like a universal measuring or measuring system that's yeah, can't we just go unisex or centimeters or whatever? Like it just, we have like measurements out there. Just use them. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't, I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense, mate. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, I mean, like even. Over Christmas break, I was uh, gifted as one of my Christmas presents two pairs of jeans. Mm-hmm. I very, very rarely buy clothes because I'm on this whole like don't agree with fast fashion kind of kick right now. So like, I if I get clothes, they're gifted to me, or I go to like a secondhand store, or I try and find like eco friendly brands stuff like that. I don't know. I'm just like it's one of those things I'm trying out and seeing if I can feasibly live by. Mm-hmm. And um, and one of the things that I got for Christmas is two pairs of jeans. They are a 34 length jean. They're still too short. There's no way. <laughs> I can't buy a 36. I don't exist. And I don't know if that's... I'm kind of lost on that because well, I... Well, I'm only five foot ten at max. You know, I'm five foot nine and a half normally. Like at the beginning of a day, maybe I might be five foot ten for like a half hour. You know, mm-hmm. my best friends are over six foot. You know, those girls... It must be completely, ridiculously impossible for them to find any trousers. Well, even in men's, like, I don't think I've ever seen a 36. Yeah, they I wear, exist. I wear a 32, but and I'm 6'4". The thing is, like, four. a 34 should fit me. It should, and I don't know if those are just sized incorrectly, and the length on them is too long. Or if they were initially a 34, maybe they hemmed them up. I'm not... Yeah, I'm not know. sure, because if you're used to wearing a 34 and they're too short, I don't understand what's going on. But I wear, I'm 6'4", and I wear a 32. Yeah. So I yeah. don't, I don't understand, mate. Yeah, it's like, I know most of my height is in my legs. You know, that's just where my height is. My torso is the same height as my mom's, and my mom's 5'6". Mm-hmm. So, like, vast majority of my height is in my legs. I understand that. I still think it's ridiculous that a 34 length doesn't fit me. It's too short. That doesn't. That doesn't make any fucking sense at all. No, it doesn't. My legs are not that long. <laughs> I, I have long legs. They're not that long. I just, I, I don't understand. I, yeah. I feel for you, and I hate that. You know what we should do? What? We here at the B&B Anime Podcast should start our own clothing line <laughs> and make it to where it's easier for women to find clothing that actually fucking fits. All we'll do is we just won't hem the pants until you give us your measurements, and then we'll just hem them and send them. Which is what they used to do. That's what they used to do. Not even that long ago. I feel like that was only like in the 70s that you used to buy pants unhemmed and then the store would fit them to you. Well, my suit guy. That's how I get my pants. Yeah. Like I buy them, they'll take my measurements and then they'll hem them to measure them and then pleat them or do whatever else I need to get done. Yeah. Because it just, it makes sense to do it that way. We need tailors. Bring back tailors. Honestly, yes. And also, that's shopping local. So go support a small business and go shop yeah. with a suit guy. Well, I just don't remember when large department stores stopped having tailors within them. Because I feel like back in the UK, when I was small, if you go into like Marks and Spencers, there used to be a little tailor counter where you would buy your clothing, take them to the tailor, and they would tailor them within the department store. I don't feel like that was that long ago. I don't... I don't know if it's ever been like that in my lifetime, or at least it's not something that I can in the States, recall, yeah. because it's, I feel like they might have phased it out because it got too expensive for department stores to be 
be able to operate while also paying one of those at the same time. Either that or the brands just stop making their stuff that way. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know. I, I don't know about like American department stores, but there's like a the Hudson's Bay. It's like a, a big department store in Canada. I, I assume it's probably like equivalent to like Macy's or Harrods. Harrods in the UK, can't speak. But where it's like it's got some like smaller brands, but then it's also got like some some higher brands. I know they've got like Ralph Lauren and and Calvin Klein and you know some like not quite designer designer brands, but like up there. Mm-hmm. I feel like those kinds of department stores they ha- they should have a, a tailoring service within them. I know, I agree, they should, and I don't understand why they don't. That was just kind of my best guess as to why. Mm -hmm. Is because with tailors being a specialty job, I don't think that they want to be able to pay someone with that particular skill set. But they have like estheticians and makeup artists and stuff that are like on counters there within those department stores. So if they're paying for like skincare experts and makeup experts, and surely they could pay for a tailor too. Maybe. Get to it. Yes, like, do it, by all means. I agree, because I think those should be, that should be standard practice, by all means. Well, you know, if we ever come out with merch for the podcast, we will make it size inclusive. <laughs> we will do our best to yeah. do that. Yeah, that ever happens one day. Honestly, we'll- I just, I want a fucking pocket t-shirt of Bean and Prickles just poking their head out of the pocket. That would be really cute. That's all I want out of any sort of merch. I could give a shit if we make anything else. Just give me Bean and Prickles popping their head out of a fucking shirt pocket. Also, I love shirt pockets. I want a hoodie with the pouch with them poking out either side of the pouch. Oh my god, yes. Yeah. We need to make a sticky note of that. You have sticky notes. <laughs> I have I, I have sticky notes. I'm going to do that. Hoodie plus t-shirt pocket poke out bean x prickles and pocket prick I'm a genius. That's stupid. You're stupid. That's what you are. (laughs) I love me. (laughs) Uh, But anyways, we've had some news. We've had some random discussions. We're back on the random front. It's been a while since we've had some random tangents. It it has been. But you know what? Pocket Prick is genius. I will take take all of the credit for that one. But yeah, so shall we shall we get a little bit of background on Arte before we get into our discussion of it? Yes, yeah, I'm 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 excited to jump into this one. I'm I'm excited as well. I'm excited to get a little bit more of your thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. So Arte was originally a manga written by K Okubo, and it ran in the monthly comic Xenon. It ran from October twenty fifth of twenty thirteen to the present for a total of 14 volumes so far so that means there very well could be a second season of this at some point depending on how well it did the television series ran from april 4th of 2020 through june 20th of 2020 for a total of 12 episodes it was licensed by Funimation, the studio was Seven Arcs. Some of the stuff that they have worked on is White Album, and here recently 
this is one of those things that you typically don't see a lot of. They worked on two anime at the same time. Mm-hmm. They produced Arte, and do you remember a certain rom-com that I talked about a lot last year? You talked about a couple of rom-coms. Which one? Tony Kawa, Fly Me to the Moon. Oh! They made that one as well. Interesting. Now, here is the part that I thought that you would find interesting. The person who directed it was Takayuki Hamana. Does that name ring a bell to you? (laughs) Not at the moment. (laughs) What's your favorite anime of all time? Oh, is it, is it a Kids on the Slope thing? Prince of Tennis. Prince of Tennis? Oh, I was at a completely wrong area. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they were the director of Prince of Tennis. Wow. I wonder if they so, directed the new Prince of Tennis. I didn't see it in their list of works, but they did do the Prince of Tennis film. Which one? <laughs> uh, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> they did one of them. That's all I can tell you. They did one of them. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. I haven't actually looked much into the background of Prince of Tennis, which is strange. You think I would have? But I've just, it's one of those things that I enjoy so much that I guess I kind of forgot to research it. It's but, its a guilty pleasure. I can i can understand that completely. Don't you just love whenever you get so wrapped up in something you don't care about anything else? Yeah, no, I honestly, I, I don't care. I the, the, Prince of Tennis is one of those things that I would cosplay. <laughs> <laughs> just well, for funsies it's, it's not that hard shorts white sneakers red and white polo and a cap yeah it's one of those things that i feel like if you're going to like a three-day long convention or like a convention over a weekend they're normally about three days and you have like saturday is the, the busy day and you're like okay well on saturday i'm gonna wear like i'm gonna do my like arte cosplay or something like i'm gonna do like a big one that i've been working on for months on saturday and and then you have like Friday and Sunday and Friday, you're spending the entire time like working, going through like the shops and the artist alley while everything's kind of opening up because you're like, I want to get there first to get all the good deals. But then Sunday, you're like, well, I had my cosplay day yesterday and there's some panels and stuff that I want to go see today. So I want to be comfy. You know, I want to, I want to like, and then I also want to go shopping and stuff in the evening when everyone's got their last minute deals on because they're just trying to sell everything last minute before the convention closes. So like, I want to be comfy, but like, I also, I want to have fun today. It's the last day of the convention. I feel like Prince of Tennis is a really good cosplay for that kind of day. I agree. 100%. Mm, Yeah. 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 Okay, so if that's the background, I'm going to give a general overview. I kind of did a little bit of an overview earlier. I didn't actually go into episode by episode dissection for this one because I feel like there isn't necessarily enough that happens within each episode of this to really go into like huge details. I feel like the overarching plotline is way more important than the individual episode plotlines. Yeah, it was one of those, and it's one of those things I told you whenever we sat down to... Or whatever we discussed it earlier this week, I was like, it's one of those things where I felt like we could freeform it, more yeah. or less. Mm-hmm. And because that's kind it of what I, I went off with. Yeah, because it didn't seem like note-taking was necessarily required with this one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we're starting off with our main character, Arte, or Art, depending on your accent, how you want to pronounce it, <laughs> um, who is a 14-year-old, she's very nearly 15, Um, in high society renaissance Italy. She has been trained her whole life with tutors. She's getting ready to be married off. She's a lower noble. She's not one of the higher ranking nobles, but she's a lower noble and they're looking to kind of, you know, marry her up into society. But um, I don't think it's a spoiler to say, it happens very early in the first episode, that her father passes away. And because of that, they're not able to provide the dowry they would normally provide for her to be able to be married off. Right. So yes. she has this huge passion for art. And so she goes on an adventure because she doesn't want to be this like bird in a cage. She doesn't want to be this girl that is, you know, 
married off to some old dude to like that because that's her best option at this point with her dad that's dead and so she's like I don't want that and so she runs off to try and become a apprentice to one of the workshops in town so that she can become an artist but obviously she's dealing with the fact that she is noble and she is in uh, surrounded by a bunch of people who are very much working class and on top of that she is female and a little bit older than apprentices are when they first start apprentices start when they're 13 approximately and she's nearly two years older than that so she's a late bloomer she's female and she's a noble so she's kind of got everything working against her but she really really wants to be an artisan that's kind of the overview yeah overall plot line is her trying to figure out how to navigate that world and prove mm-hmm. herself. So I am going to put on a spoiler hat, chicken hat warnings from here on out. But like I said, I didn't go into great detail about each episode. I do have an episode list pulled up from um, Wikipedia as well. So I can tell you the names of the episodes and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm not going to go into massive detail over each individual episode. So consider your spoiler chicken hat officially on. So, um. <laughs> I couldn't help but constantly compare this to Violet Evergarden just as I was watching it. Did you compare it to Violet Evergarden too? With the art style and setting, yes, it was very easy to do. Mm-hmm. And the um, romantic connection that happens later that I think they did so <laughs> well in this anime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was one of those to where I didn't feel as weird about this one. No, it felt very much like a teenage girl getting a crush on someone. Mm-hmm. But it was another one of those things, too, to where I didn't like this one for the sole fact of I didn't think it needed the romance. Like, I, I was totally of... fine with the story that they were trying to tell with everything else going on that I didn't feel like a romance was necessary. Don't get me wrong. I liked it. It's just I didn't think it was necessary. I kind of appreciated it from the dis- different aspect of her being... We're jumping ahead quite a bit, but <laughs> just of her being... Um, a young noble that's kind of been isolated and surrounded by, like, you know, female scullery maids and, and like, her mother and, you know, the only person that's male that she's ever really interacted with being her father. Mm. And then to suddenly be thrust into a very male-dominated world and being so young, then having this fatherly figure, or, like, cool uncle figure, I guess, kind of, like, appear in her life. There's a couple of moments there where you can just see her, like, physically as an artist just looking at the male physique and just like having those moments of oh you're really different to me <laughs> oh yeah especially episode four i did find what's it episode four three four i think it was three like after the whole dissection part mm-hmm. to where i was like uh, that that's adorable <laughs> yeah yeah episode three first job yeah no I, I i agree i think that that is is one of those things where i think that um, they did some elements of it really, really well that I appreciate, and I think they had found a really, really good way of adding an element of romance that they felt that they that is itself. Like let's just face it, romance and sex they they sell shows, they sell animes, people click on them. Mm-hmm. So having that level, but doing it in a really, really re- respectful way, where it is this young girl with an older man, and it's realistic for the time period, you know, mm-hmm. that they would have acted on that, but they didn't act on it. Mm-hmm. And he just ended up being like this mental figure. And then later on, if in like, because this show takes place probably over about three years, I feel like, from start to Yeah, finish. I can feel that. Mm-hmm. I feel like she's like 17 when when the, the show ends, the season ends. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if they keep going at this pace, it's one of those things that you could see 
a romantic relationship developing between the two characters later on down the road. And it would be realistic to the time period. I'm not sure how I would necessarily feel about it if they do it, but I feel like that's where they're going with it. It it definitely took a lot better of approach to it than Violet Evergarden did. Mm-hmm. With yeah. out of doubt. And I like what they did with it. It's like I said, I don't I don't think it was necessary. But no, it wasn't. It was it's still better they, executed. Yeah, they did a lot better job with it than I think anyone else could have, if that makes sense. Yeah. But anyway, so we're in Florence, Italy. We're with this young girl. She's walking down the street, giving everyone her portfolio, begging them to take her. Oh, one big pet peeve with how this anime works. They don't know how fire and parchment work. Oh, that that first episode, whenever her mother burnt all of her drawings, I was like, this. Uh What? Oh, it. It made me heated yeah, for me a second. Too. I almost texted you after I watched the first episode. Fuck it. We're going back to 91 days. I was so angry, especially so considering bad. how often I start fires. I have to make a fire every single day in that mm. wood heater. Mm. And that, oh, oh, it touched a nerve. Yeah. Yeah, so, okay, for those of you guys, if you can't picture what we're talking about because you haven't seen the show, uh, basically her mother is getting rid of what she deems unnecessary, which is Art's whole collection of sketches, right? Just loose pieces of parchment that she has done all her sketches on. And she piles them into a big pile in the courtyard, and she takes her flaming rag and she throws it onto the pile of parchment, and the parchment all lights on fire, and then the mother walks away and the fire dies out and all, and what's left is the exact same pile, just slightly gray toned. It's like, here, have this little bit of char, but everything still be completely intact. No ashes, no nothing. You can still completely see the drawings. Yeah. And just, the, the page is just now, it was kind of white, now it's gray. Yep. Yeah, that's that's what happened. And I was watching it, and I was like, oh, God. If this is how this anime is starting off, I don't know where it's going. But it picked up from there. But that first that first bit, like, why did they do that? That's so unnecessary. They could have, like, they could have had it so, like, she saved one and was able to look at one, you know? Because that's all she did was she goes to the pile and she picks one up and looks at it. It's mm-hmm. like, could there have just been, like, fire jumps? Everybody knows fire jumps. You just look at forest fires and you see that. Like, there could have been one that just got missed. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but she could have picked it up and looked at it as it was burning. Like, it could have just been a slower burning page. Yeah. And then it could have disintegrated in her hands. In fact, that probably would have made more sense for the story that they were trying to tell with it. Yeah, and it would have been more um, meaningful to mm-hmm. watch her art. Because it, like, that kind of is like a like a metaphor, I guess, for her losing her freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just... Uh... Yeah. Anyway, that pissed me off. I'm glad you noticed it too. Oh, what? One hundred percent. Yeah. Um. Anyway, she's walking through town and she's she's giving her portfolio. I don't know whether her portfolio is the burnt pages that she's collected and stacked up, or if she had more. <laughs> I don't. They should I have don't. explained that. Oh I my god! Know. I wish they but had. She may actually be handing out burnt that. pages. Don't know. Uh, look at my work. Maybe that's why that no one wanted hilarious. to look at it. They're like, what is this pile of shit that you're bringing me? Why is it fucking scorched? It's just, <laughs> you're giving me a black page. Like, it's just, what is this? It, it, honestly, you know what? It's forgiven. Just, yeah. I can forgive the burning of the pages if that's what she's running around yeah. handing out. Like that, yeah. that. 10 out of 10 for the show. That's jokes. 
But anyway, so she's trying to get into these guild, into the art guild. She's trying to get a, a master so that she can become an apprentice. And we're all turning her down. Eventually, she comes across Leo because she's about to cut off her boobs. She pulls a Mulan, cuts off her hair. <laughs> And she's like, if I if I were to be an artist and I have to be a man, then I'll be a man. So she cuts off her hair. And then they're like, uh, and then he still turns her down. So then she goes, well, I guess that's not enough. So I'll cut off my chest as well. And then they're like, stop. And then Leo's like, who, who is this crazy bitch? And so, um, yeah, he then discovers her. And he was also kind of an outcast in the art world because he was a beggar growing up. So he was turned down from all of the same shops because they were like, we don't want some like ratty beggar kid. No, we want like someone who at least still comes from like a merchant kind of, you know, working class line. We don't want just a straight beggar. But he, his master ended up taking him on. And so he kind of felt this like need to take her on as well because he saw her in himself. And, but he also like kind of hates her at the beginning because she seems pretentious because he doesn't really understand her the same way and he kind of gets roped into it a little bit and ends up giving her a really impossible task that she finishes anyway because anime logic and uh and then yeah she ends up becoming his apprentice and this is the first apprentice he's ever taken and he's yeah never like it's really unusual that he's like talks to people in general he's kind of an aloof lone wolf type uh but he thrusts her into the art world very very quickly because they explain i think that it was like you do like three years of just cleaning and then you do like three years of like errand running and then you can like officially train to be like a master well it's you do three years of errand running and like priming the boards and just mm-hmm. literally doing all the shit that no one wants to do and then you have three years of doing the backgrounds for portraits and everything yeah. else and then after that then you're an artist because then you can actually do the foregrounds and all that other stuff mm-hmm. <clears throat> but because she's had all of these years of training with her tutor he kind of thrusts her into the art world uh assuming that she's kind of already done her first three years even though she would have only done effectively two years from the 13 to the 15 that she is now for um, her apprenticeship, but because she was tutored from a very young age and she has like other skills as well. She's not just an artist. She can like read and write and, you know, all the other stuff that the other artists can't necessarily do because they've focused entirely on that as their profession. So she has all these other skills from her high society life that uh, means that he just kind of like thrusts her into the art world pretty quick. Um, She ends up meeting a fellow artist and he is training to be a sculptor, Angelo, who uh, ends up pissing her off pretty quick. He uh, like uh, tries to, he tries to be nice and he tries to treat her like he would do any other woman. But the thing is, is that she's already spent so much time proving herself to become like, to just be treated like an artist. Like that's all she wants throughout this entire show is just to be treated like an artist first. But she always gets treated like a woman first, artist second. And so he, although he's really polite about it compared to all the other people who like turned her away because she was female, he's really polite about it, but he's still like, let me help you carry heavy things because you're incapable. And he also doesn't understand that that's insulting. Yeah, it was, it was at that point where I was like, oh, oh no. Yeah. What, what, what have you done? <laughs> But, like, I get that because I, I've definitely experienced that in my life. Just, like, in high school, you know, where you would get those guys that would, like, you would just be, like, carrying, I don't know, like, a box for a teacher filled with papers. And you just walk down the hallway and then a guy would, like, come out of nowhere and be like, here, let me take that for you because that's heavy. And you're like, I was doing fine, <laughs> you know? So I feel like it's one of those things that 
still happens very much to this day, not just to like necessarily females, but I feel like to just like small people in general, people that appear visually weaker. Mm -hmm. It happens all the time. It's really annoying. Oh yeah. I can, I can 100% see it without a doubt. Mm -hmm. I like the, I just like the realism that they put into this. Yeah. She was much nicer about it than I would have been. Yeah, because the way he put that, I was like, oh, oh no, Blue, yeah. she's gonna, she, she gonna be angry. And she apologized about it later, and I was like, there's no way in hell I would have ever apologized. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, anyways, she meets him, and you can tell pretty quickly that he has a romantic interest in her, but personally, I don't think that there's gonna be anything happening between the two of them. It doesn't really, no. yeah, it doesn't happen throughout this season, but I can see him trying to pursue it in the future, and her not returning his feelings in like a second season yeah i can i can 100 percent see that yeah i just don't feel like he gets her no not at all no he's the he's really that goofy lovable sidekick character yeah but that's yeah. as far as it goes like there's not gonna be a there's not gonna be any romantic i feel like i could there. see him and the seamstress like getting on yeah yeah i could see that yeah, but I feel like he would also kind of be one of those guys that would want to... I mean, he spent his entire life, Angelo spent his entire life looking after his five sisters, you know, trying to make money for them to have dowries so they can marry up and, like, all this kind of stuff. Like, that's his entire life is being a caretaker. So I feel mm. like it would be very weird for him to all of a sudden be with this woman who wants to be completely independent. I feel like he needs to be able to take care of someone because that gives him purpose. Yeah. So yeah, I just don't feel like he would be very comfortable in that kind of relationship. Mm. Uh, but yeah, anyway. I don't feel like that would go well. Yeah. So now we're into kind of like episode three territory where we're talking about earlier about that dissection job. Um, so basically Leo takes uh, Arte out dressed as a boy and takes her to a live dissection during a carnival because dissections are illegal at this time period. <laughs> well, they're illegal now unless you're a doctor or a mortician or something. But like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> at this time period, they're very legal. And uh, especially more so illegal if a woman's involved because then the church is going to get on their case about don't you dare expose a woman to blood despite the fact that women are probably very 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 much more familiar with blood than men on a monthly basis just saying <laughs> <laughs> i'm just putting that out there you know what no i, I never would have thought no we faint at the sight of blood uh-huh um, <laughs> <laughs> anyways yeah, they all freak out because she ends up going there because she, like, sneezes or something, I don't know, and her hair falls out, and then they're like, oh my god, it's a boy, because she has hair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, long hair, it's a girl. <laughs> yeah, honestly. And uh, and so they have to run away, and then as they're running away, there's that moment where they're both hiding in an alleyway, and she's being held in his arms, hiding behind a crate while everyone's running away, running around trying to find them. And and she gets an up-close look at a man for the first time in her life. And she very much looks at it from an artist's perspective, which I found very, like, intriguing towards her character, to be like, she thinks with her artist's brain predominantly before anything else. Mm -hmm. And it was definitely different compared to most anime from that perspective as well. Yeah. She swooned, but she swooned from a technical perspective. Yeah. She's like... Oh, Adam's apple. Oh. Yeah. Jawline. What is it? Facial? Like, facial hair? What is this? Bone structure? I'm not familiar with. Especially so considering- rugged. Well, yeah, especially considering the Renaissance period. If you look at Renaissance period art style, bone structure isn't really a thing. 
No, no, not so, at all. Yeah, so if, like, her experience with the male form is, like, her father that even then she would have had limited contact with, and then paintings, it would be a very, I think, shocking difference. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because mm-hmm. I think she even said, like, that's the closest she's ever been to a man. Yeah. Which, I mean, as a, a, like, at this point, she's, like, 14, 15. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes sense. (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely. I really like, as well, how um, in the later episodes, uh, episode five, I think it is, she ends up developing such a crush on him, and he he is so oblivious. (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely. I was like, yeah, that's, I I appreciate how you made his character, like, just unaware. (laughs) Because he's so focused on art and just being himself yeah. to where he's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he's focused on the artwork. He's focused on training her. He's focused on, yeah, like she's his apprentice and he's like, you're not doing the artwork. What's going on with you? So like he cares, but he cares in a like, why are you being stupid? Yeah, like just just that. go make the art. Just mm. go. Um, and this is when you also get to see her doing her first job, which is where she is trying to do the background for a portrait. And uh, she keeps coming back and she keeps getting rejected over and over and over again before. And like, uh, this is where you see that time periods also shift quite strongly throughout the show to where the beginning of the episode up until this point, it's probably happened over a couple of weeks. But when you hit the end of this episode, you see pretty sure like months jump by because mm-hmm. she's working on this one piece of artwork for a really long period of time. So yeah, the job is that she has that Leo's painting this portrait. He's given her the task of filling in the background. So he sent her off to go and sketch this this place in in Florence. And she's sitting by the river and she's sketching. And she brings it back and and he says it's not good enough. And sends her away and sends her away. And he doesn't give her any kind of hints or clues as to what she's doing. Sends her away. And then she ends up coming back and she... And she's like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then he says, take a look at the painting and look at what the focal point is. And by this point, the painting is nearly done, except for this part that she has to contribute. And she sees that it's a painting of a woman, it's a portrait, and she's realizing that her background is too detailed. It's too intense. It's too... She was improving on it by making it better in an art sense, but she was doing it from like a landscape as opposed to a portrait where the the background has to be subtle to promote the image of her... The, the woman right well it wasn't just that but it wasn't what the client wanted the client yeah. wanted the river in the background but she was so focused on doing the entire landscape that she lost sight of what the client actually wanted because she wanted to prove herself and not do what was, what was necessary painting. yeah mm-hmm. yeah and and so she had to simplify it a lot and uh and then she finally gets it proved and she goes in and she paints it and then Leo comes along and does his touch-ups on it, which I also thought was really cool that, like, they didn't let her do the background and then was like, okay, cool, signed off on it. It was like, okay, no, you're going to do it, and then I'm going to come in and fix it. Mm-hmm. Well, and it was thought- one of those because the whole time Leo was just sketching it out, but nothing was painted yet. Mm-hmm. And so he went through and sketched everything out except for her part. Mm-hmm. And he literally did it to where all that was missing was that so that she could finally get what she needed to get out of it to learn that that's what the client wanted and if anything her part was probably the most important out of it because it was what was specified by the client Mm -hmm. and so seeing her realize that and then go through and actually do it and then do the background and then have leo come in fix it and do everything else it was really nifty to see that whole process Mm -hmm. yeah 
It was a really good moment to really showcase their relationship as a master and apprentice. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but I like the slow transition of her doing her landscape and then seeing everything else build around it and then see the color build on top of it. Mm -hmm. As well, it was really it was really cool to see how they animated that and did it. It was a mm -hmm. nifty little time lapse. I think they did a really good job of showing pencil sketches in animation. Mm -hmm. and, oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, not something you see all the time, but I think they did a really, really good job of showing these realistic pencil sketches that that kind of fit the time period, but also don't. They're very heavily influenced by animation, but they have these really like Renaissance like moments to them that you can see in there and you're like you can see that they've clearly been heavily influenced by that time period they're looking at it they're doing it in their animation style but like they are it's a real merge of the two the two worlds i appreciate it oh 100 percent. even from someone that does a much more digital perspective on things i could very much appreciate the work that went into the detail of those pencil sketches yeah. So next, we are now in the next section of the story. The story is kind of broken up into like two or three chunks, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's a way to put it. Because mm -hmm. now we're kind of facing the world of Veronica. She is a, a courtesan or a sex worker for the high nobles of the area. And she hires Leo to do a portrait of her that she's going to send to a client or that a client has requested of her and ends up getting talking to Art and they end up developing a friendship and she ends up asking her to do the portrait instead of Leo. And so then it's kind of like a young woman learning a very different lifestyle to what she's been exposed to because, of course, as a noble herself, she was raised in a don't look at a man, don't touch a man don't get involved in that until you're married. Whereas Veronica was, is clearly in a very different world, but both of them have this really strong streak of wanting to be independent women in a society that doesn't allow for that. Mm -hmm. And so it was a really cool dynamic and a really cool relationship. And um, I, yeah, I don't know. The, the friendship between the two of them is something that kind of gets reflected back on throughout the show. And I appreciate it. She kind of becomes like her female mentor. Because mm -hmm. it's her first real female friend outside of what she had growing up with the maids and her mother and everything else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple moments where she, throughout the, the two relationships, where she has to face kind of the ugliness of the world. Mm -hmm. And Veronica is just like, well, that's the way that it is. You know, you have to do what you have to do. Where Veronica's just like, you know, you have to kind of like do what you have to do to survive in this world. And you can't sacrifice that for, you know, like you have to make the decision as to whether or not you're going to put your morals first or your livelihood first. And yeah, and then it's about like art trying to find a good balance between the two of them and, and, um, and how she wants to live her life. You know, she's seen how Leah lives his, she's seen how Veronica lives hers, and Sheena has to find a path of, of who she wants to be. Mm -hmm. Which it's good to have someone like that at such a young age tell you that, like, hey, this is how life is. Because <laughs> it's, you know, it's important to know growing up that, hey, life can mm -hmm. suck. Yeah, and you actually see that very much more from Veronica when um, Art goes to tell her about her crush on Leo, and, well, about her feelings, she's, at this point, she doesn't know what her feelings are. Veronica explains that she thinks it's a crush. And then Veronica then goes and, like, shows her 
what could happen to her if she doesn't take her profession more seriously than her romantic life. Mm -hmm. She can't get whisked away in romance. She has to still focus on her livelihood, her career, her, you know, herself. She has to come first. Mm -hmm. And it was a very shocking scene. Mm -hmm. What did you think of that when you saw that? It was shocking Mm -hmm. how you put it, honestly. It was... didn't expect it i did not expect this show to go to those kind of links especially going into it yeah shocked is honestly the best adjective that i can think to put there because again i just i was not expecting it honestly i didn't know what to expect going into this one it was another one of those tonica coon situations and then i was definitely taken aback but in a good way by everything that kind of went on yeah it's one of it's one of those shows that's unexpectedly mature i feel like going into it you don't think Mm -hmm. that it's gonna be as i don't know like thought-provoking I feel like you think, oh, it's just going to be more of like a comfy Mm -hmm. slice of life kind of thing. Maybe there's going to be a bit more of an emotional side to it. Something like that, like sad or, or, you know, loving or, you know, that kind of thing. But there's like this element of art history that is expressed throughout. There's an element of politics is expressed throughout. There's an element of, you know, sexism and uh, discrimination and all those kinds of stuff that is expressed throughout the show. And then mm-hmm. and then to add on prostitution at the time on top of it and how ugly that was and still can be to this day. I mean, I have mad respect for sex workers. Like, do what you gotta do. But mm-hmm. at this time, especially because of lack of, like, not even lack of healthcare, lack of ability to, like, knowledge in anything, you know? Like, it, mm-hmm. it's... It was a very different world and they didn't sugarcoat it when showing it to you. And it was very unexpected no. because everything up mm-hmm. until this point was kind of a lot softer. And then they kind of throw this element at you where you see this previously high society sex worker now with missing teeth on the streets collapsing because she risked it all for a man who wasn't going to commit to her. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very intense moment in the show. And I don't think that there's anything... Other than that moment throughout the show, it's kind of a standout moment. There's nothing that really compares to it. I yeah, I can agree with that for sure. It was yeah, it was just so different compared to anything else that I've been used to, especially in this style of slice of life anime. It was mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's one of those. It's one of those weird ones where like I mean, there's like quite a few plot lines in this that are pretty typical anime, but that I've never seen or heard of in any other anime. Uh, yeah, I'm sitting here trying to rack my brain and I can't can't think of it Mm-mm, not not at all not to that like, level I've, I've never seen anything like that yeah especially with that kind of topic yeah like and especially so... considering that you're the target audience for this i don't think is that old and they did it in a way to where i don't think it would be age restricted either i think it would be one of those things that they created to show two teenagers to be like this is a reality of the world and you need to watch out for yourself And it was kind of like a moral lesson moment that would be shocking to teenagers, but also needs to be told. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I feel like they did it in a really, really good way. I don't know. Just personally, I feel like they did a really good job of it. No, no, I agree. They, They did it in as, you know, as best they could. They told it in a way that, like you said, definitely... I can fucking speak. Mm-hmm. They told it in a way that's just very 
you know, I feel like anyone could get a grasp on it. Yeah. To where it's it's a story that needs to be told because again, it's another one of those things of life isn't fair and you gotta you just gotta do what you gotta do to get stuff done, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. And and our main character's like fifteen, sixteen at this point, and I feel like if you showed that scene to a fifteen, sixteen year old, it would make sense and apply to their life and be a lesson, not just to our main character, but to to the viewer. Uh-huh. I don't know. I think I think they did a good job of that. Anyway, yeah. so we quickly thrust from that on into art meeting um, uh, Ubertino. Ubertino. We'll go with that. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure of his name. I tried to find it in several places, but it's kind of hidden. So we'll go with it because I didn't write it down while watching the anime. Typically, I did a great job of that, right? Uh, <laughs> but he is a... <laughs> Very well off merchant. He has done very well for himself, sold all the things that he needs to do, and um, has a relationship with Leo's master who has passed away and asked him to look after Leo. And he has commissioned a job, but the painting that he is requiring uh, is using a lot of blue paints, which are obviously very expensive because blue is not a very easily come by dye source. And so like blue paints are more expensive than others. And they realize that they're not going to make a good profit off of it. So Leo's struggling to strike a good deal with it. And that's when Arte says, give me the opportunity. I want to go talk to him, see if I can strike up a deal with him, use my negotiation skills, because this is one of the things that I'm going to need to be able to to practice. It's one of the things I'm going to need to uh, implement when I'm on my own, if I'm negotiating with a client. So I would really like the opportunity to have a go. And yeah, it's just about the her going to Veronica, seeking advice about how to use negotiation skills, her learning some ones that are not necessarily applicable to the job, and, and then her learning her own value for her work and learning Leo's value as well. Mm-hmm. Then we are quickly going in to... Oh yeah, then there's a funeral for one of the members of the art guild, one of the masters. And they're realizing that Florence is in like a really hard time right now. The current Pope had been investing a lot of money in the arts. And so all of the art was kind of happening around Venice. And so Florence, which was previously a big art place, is now kind of like diminishing and the art guilds guilds are struggling. They're all kind of financially not doing so good. So then they're all working on a big project, like all of the guilds kind of, uh, all of the entire guild bands together to work on this big project and they don't want art to be part of it because she's female and they want Leo to take on a male apprentice, get rid of her because he should be, you know, taking on one of the apprentices that didn't manage to complete their training via the master that died. And they're all trying to like pitch in and help each other out. And they feel like that she is the weakest link because she's female, so she should go. So she has to prove herself again. And she does that by basically just being a workhorse while they're working on this giant project together and uh, ends up ends up proving herself again. <laughs> Common theme. One, one 100% <laughs> Common theme. But again, it's... Just the story they're trying to tell with it, and my my brain died. Mm-hmm. Oh no, it's gone. It's gone. Um, It'll come back to me when it's no longer pertinent. <laughs> right. A lot of the times I found that it's her having to prove her physical strength over anything else, though. Like, not her art abilities. Nobody questions that. It's, are you strong enough? Yeah, it's one of those to where it's not, are you the most suited for this job, but are you, are you willing to do all this 
other stuff to prove that you can be in this male dominant world. Yeah, it's like I let me carry this yeah wheelbarrow full of wood for you because you're incapable. Oh, you're not good enough, so you need to carry those giant buckets of water up the stairs until you know you can prove that you're good enough. Oh, you need to move those giant bags of sand across the room to prove that you're good enough. You know? Yeah, it's one of those to where she. It was the second episode. All she wanted to do was sketch a sculpture, but the master was like, no, no sculpture for you, unless you want to move all of these bags of clay. Yeah, ten bags of clay. Yeah, but these bags of clay, two men could barely do it, and she had to do it by herself. Yeah, and as well as the thing is that those two men who were doing it, you could clearly see that those were the like older apprentices. They were in the upper three years of the apprentices. So those men weren't even like her age range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's putting her through impossible challenges. Because even Leo did it in the beginning. You have to pr- prepare 20 wood slates for me to be able to take you as the apprentice. And it's like, that's not even something that... Uh, the trained artisan could do Mm -hmm. because even leo said it would be impossible for anyone to do yeah and yet she pushed through it and did it and ended up in severe pain because of it funsies yeah but yeah i don't know it's just like ridiculous i don't know why is it always it really is i get why because women are weak but they're not but like that's the thing but like it infuriates me not the anime the anime doesn't infuriate me because that's realistic it's the fact that mm-hmm. that is realistic that infuriates me. Yeah, I, I 100% understand where you're coming from. Yeah. So anyway, then Lord Yuri Fallier, sure we'll go with that, um, Yuri, comes into town and he is from Venice. And he comes into town and he sees her hands that have been drawn on the plasterboard of like the big project that everyone's working on because it's I think it's like a church they're painting the inside of a church I'm not sure what the building is but they're painting the inside of a building and before the paint goes on all of the masters let their apprentices kind of do like doodles on on the walls to like practice and she drew these hands and he sees them and they're really much more delicate and soft than anything he had seen up until this point, which is also a reference to the fact that Renaissance art has, like, no bones. So him approving of that is very apt for the time period that they're referencing, which I thought was cool. Mm -hmm. It was interesting. It was a nice little detail for Mm -hmm. what they were going for. Mm -hmm. And so then he's like, well, who did those? And they're like, oh, it's our only female apprentice. And he obviously gets intrigued by her and ends up asking her to come out to Venice because he wants her to paint a portrait of his sister-in-law and his niece and to also tutor his niece because she comes, she's female, she's from noble society, and he's like, you'll fit the job. Come out there. Dun, 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 dun. Level up. Level up. Yes, but she herself is like really frustrated by this because she's like, well, you know, I want to be seen as an artist only. And yet again, my status and gender are the two things that are kind of shaping my pathway here. And I know for a fact that portraiture is really huge in Venice and there are so many portrait artists out there. So why are you specifically choosing me? Like that's not comfortable. Mm -hmm. But then there's a whole situation with Leo and an old friend coming to visit who um, left town to get married. And when she got married, she got pregnant and her husband passed away. She came back to reclaim her dowry from rightfully so 
as a widow from the family of her late husband, but they are refusing to give her the full amount, and because of that she is going to be on the streets, her and her child are going to be on the streets, and obviously they're not going to survive. Leo can't do anything to help because he himself kind of only makes enough money to buy more supplies to make more paintings, you know? Like, mm -hmm. they're not well off. And so then Arte goes to Yuri and ends up striking a deal with him to be like, if you help her, I'll come with you for six months. Mm -hmm. And so then off she goes to Venice and she meets up with, what's her name? Katarina, who is the niece that she is supposed to shoot at. This niece is about... I'd say nine, eight or nine years old. Because she was six when she moved back into the house. And I feel like mm -hmm. she had been there for a few years. Yeah. And she's not having a good time. She's not having a good time there at the house. Nobody talks to her. Nobody looks at her. She's just kind of like children should be seen and not heard kind of thing. Not treated very well. And so she, she's she been going through nannies like left, right and center and not treating them <laughs> well. And it turns out that when she like acts in front of her parents and in front of guests and stuff. She is like eating with her hands. She knows no manners. She's unpresentable to like anybody. Mm -hmm. But in private, she knows all of her manners. She knows all of her lessons and she just wants to sleep during the day. She's just like, leave me alone. I'm gonna go to bed. I know everything that you could ever teach me. So why are you even bothering? And so then after some investigation and some bonding, we find out that Katerina has this huge passion for cooking. We find out about her backstory, the fact that she lived with her wet nurse up until the age of six years old when her wet nurse passed away because of an accident, I think. And she was then taken from her wet nurse out in the country and brought back. And then uh, all of a sudden had to fit in with this high society noble life when before it was just kind of a comfy farm life with her and her wet nurse and her wet nurse's son. And they were a family unit and then all of a sudden she's no longer part of that anymore and she can't return to it and she has to act like this noble with people that she doesn't know and and she doesn't want to be her parents because they've never even, like, held her. Mm -hmm. And she has this huge passion for cooking as well and that's when we find out that Yuri is best uncle. Oh, um, yes. Yeah, best uncle. Um, and yeah, so he takes her around his house all the time and has, like, been teaching her to cook and that's what she's been doing late at night is she's been, like, cooking and uh, studying. And Arthur also goes to a guild out there. She goes to like an apprentice workshop and basically gets told, oh, you're lucky that you're female and again, female and noble because it gives you an advantage in the art world. And I wish I stuck out like you did because you're noticeable. And so then she goes home and she works herself to death. And then that, and then when she finishes the portraits, Katerina takes the portrait and goes back to the artist who said that to her and is like, hey, look, she's here because she's talented. Like, can we just agree on that? Thank you. Like, mm. it's not about her, her gender or her nobility. But at this time, Arte is also understanding that her nobility and her gender are two things that she can use to her advantage in a way that affects her art, impacts her art, and makes gives her art a statement and not impact her by, like, using it in negotiation, you know? She's using it in what she does as opposed to in how she acts, if that makes sense. 
It does. Yeah. And for one of the things, for instance, is that she's really good at painting lace because she actively crocheted it during her childhood. Childhood. So mm-hmm. when she's doing portraits of females, she can make this jewellery. But yeah, she can make these jewelries and sleeves and things that the the male artisans can't make as intimately because they don't know the pieces as intimately considering the fact that she wore them on her body and physically made them. I don't know. I thought those those were realistic elements that I feel like were pretty cool for them to add in to the show. It does because it just shows that, you know, they have a different perspective on things so you can't count them out because it just shows that they have the ability to put detail into things that most people wouldn't even think about putting detail into. Yeah, absolutely. So I skipped quite a few details within those last episodes, considering the fact that, like, Katharina goes back to visit the boy that she grew up with and, like, all this kind of stuff. And and there's, like, a few details there, but I don't think there's anything that's, like, massively impactful to the overall plotline. They're just, like, cute moments or character developing moments that I feel like if you haven't seen the show, you would enjoy if you watched, but I don't feel like you need to hear them again if you if you know the show, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so it's been over six months now and Leo is missing his apprentice. He's uh, sitting at home and he's been given this huge task of painting the church's ceiling, which is massive. Like it takes months. And so he's been given this task and he gets to work on it and he's just focusing all of his energy on that. When Arte comes home, she comes to Florence again and she goes into the workshop and he's not there when she finds out that he has actually taken ill and has been in asleep with a fever for a few days. And he has this huge project of doing the church roof and he's not going to finish it by Easter when it needs to be done by. And so she goes and she starts working on it. Now she's working on it. She realizes that there's no way she's going to finish it. But then Angelo from the beginning, the sculptor, decides that he's going to help her out. And then soon all the other guilds that she made friends with comes and they all help her out and, and everyone brings snacks and stuff. And it's a good old party time. And they all finish the ceiling. Ow. <laughs> they all paint the ceiling a day before Easter when Leo comes back and he's he's doing much better and he looks. And the first thing he does, like a true apprentice's master, is critiques her work. And I was like, accurate. <laughs> Oh, 100%. If Leo hadn't have done that, I'd have just been like, Ugh. but yeah. I loved it so much. Yeah. It was such an anime thing to do where I was like, yes. Yeah. It's like you, you still, but then he also complimented her saying that she, she took, uh, she brought back some Venetian lace in her artwork as well. That was like, okay, well, there you go. You have learned something. But mm-hmm. um, it was said in such a snarky way that I'm like, yeah, they have a really good relationship as a um, apprentice and master. Mm-hmm. Um, and then her mom comes, her mom comes for the very first episode to see the ceiling. And, uh, and it turns out that she put all of her friends and the faces around the edges of the artwork. And so they're all, they're all there. And she points and she says that her mom and dad are in, in the ceiling as well as, as all of the people that she's come across throughout her journey at this point. And I believe she's like 17 years old when, when the season ends. Yeah, I kind of I kind of gathered that as well. She's either mm-hmm. 17 or about to turn 17. The show is very unclear with how much time it skips-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's but not that's really definitely seasons. to be derived. Mm-hmm. No, definitely not. It's just time skips and you're just kind of left to assume. Yeah, so I feel like she's around 17 years old when the show ends. The, yeah. the season ends. I'm hoping there is a second season. I enjoyed it. Considering the 
manga is still coming out. Hopefully the show wasn't such a sleeper hit that people in Japan missed out on it, but I hope it continues. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard any more about a second season being confirmed yet, but only only time will tell. Yeah, we'd be really interested for a more detailed plotline, and I would be very interested to see um, Leo's shop expand. I'd like to see him get another apprentice from like the young age. You remember that like small beggar boy he had run errands? Mm-hmm. Like he's still too young, I feel like, to be an apprentice at this point. But like, come on, like he's like pluck him out, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing him build his work, and then I would like to see her go on more adventures, but always returning to him, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want to see her get her own shop. I want to see her still work on behalf of him, but like become famous in her own name and her own right. But like have him be like her home base, mm-hmm. you know? Oh yeah, agreed. Yeah. Because I, I kind of want him to just kind of, like, stay at home and train everybody, and then she's, like, the name of the shop. The face of the <gasps> name of the shop, you know? She becomes bigger than him, so she opens up her own shop, and Leo comes to her. He's like, yeah. so, he becomes, uh, he becomes the, the main help. master of the shop. Honestly, yeah. I would love that. That would, be, that would be a really interesting dynamic to the show. Yeah. And he, like, runs everything, and, and she just goes and paints and then comes back, and she's, like, one of these, like, flighty types, and he's the actual, like, foundation of the shop, but mm-hmm. she's the one who's doing the predominant amount of the artwork. That would be really It's cool. like the, it's would be like the first two master shop, like, instead of them being, like, two separate masters, they're both masters in their mm-hmm. own right, but they run the same shop. Yeah, because he never really expressed, like, a wanting to travel or leave like he was quite happy just being in Florence creating local artwork whereas I feel like she would get a huge kick out of traveling like she really enjoyed going to Venice mm-hmm. so yeah I feel like she'd get a huge kick out of traveling and, and going all over Italy and and I'd like to it's see all her over paint, Europe like... in general just because of the amount of history that's in yeah. England and all of that yeah Germany and France and stuff it would be really cool to see her um go and paint some like royals you know we've mm-hmm. seen her paint some like nobles but like let's let's get up there into the into the higher rankings yeah like an episode where she has to go paint a king or a queen or something and she's so nervous about screwing it up because she might be beheaded or some shit <laughs> yeah why not i mean hey might as well but it would be also really cool to see her like painting some like things of political impact as well. Like if you could see her do her own interpretation just for her own artwork of like the situation with the sex worker in the street. Because mm-hmm. I feel like those are the kinds of things that would really impact an artist. And obviously artists, you know, make the most amount of their money from commissions. So yeah, we're going to see her do a lot of commissions. But it would also be really cool to see her do like some stuff that's just important to her. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I really enjoyed um, it. I did as well. So what do you what do you rate it? I'm gonna give it a solid eight out of ten. Ah. Uh, so what'd you think about the OPs and EDs? Didn't like them. Uh, the ED I liked more than the OP. Yeah, agreed. The OP was just bland. Mm-hmm. Like even the stuff in the animation was bland. Yeah, I liked that they kind of had a little bit more of a folk vibe on the ED. But mm-hmm. I still wasn't sold. I feel like they could have gone more at that, you know? Like, why couldn't yeah. they have gotten, like, a liar and then mixed it in with, like, modern pop music or something? Like, I feel like they could have done more with it. Mm-hmm. Agreed. It did feel a little generic in my eyes. I liked what they were going for, but it's just too generic-y. Yeah, and that freaking fire in the beginning still pisses me off. <laughs> uh, yeah, that docked. I'm not gonna lie, that was the main dock. 
in the show yeah. for me. Yeah. And it docked like a solid two and a half points. Really? What are you what are you rating it then? I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it a seven. A seven? Because it was really enjoyable and I did yeah. enjoy it, but I'll probably forget about it here in a few months. Mm-hmm. I can Just see because that. of everything else that we have to cover. Don't get me wrong, I love art and the show did a really good job of putting that in the forefront of my mind, but at the same time it just didn't i guess connect with me like i thought it might mm-hmm. but yeah, there were aspects that i on the art. like yeah. there wasn't a lot of emotion attached to the pieces that she was creating and honestly if the first episode hadn't have pissed me off with that fucking fire i might have cared a little bit more <laughs> but at that point i was like obviously that'll give a shit enough to make the paper fucking real so why would they give a shit about anything else <laughs> Yeah, it makes me curious as to whether or not they were being like, this particular parchment is covered in duck fat, and thus it doesn't burn the same way. You know, I don't know. It's like, ha, fuck you, mom, I got special apartment to put my art on, so fuck you and your fire. Yeah, no, I I don't know. (laughs) I don't know why it didn't burn, but, or like, didn't burn properly, because it did catch on fire, but the pages mm-hmm. were fine i don't know but yeah it's uh, there are a couple of things that i would like to see if there is a second season i definitely like to see more art history throughout the show like mm-hmm. talked about art history oh, I, I suppose the time it would be current <laughs> but like to us it's art history yeah um i would like to see more emotions attached to the pieces because although they're commissions i still feel like artists get attached to pieces i don't know i don't feel like she necessarily but then she wasn't really creating her own work very much Mm -hmm. a lot of it was her learning so i can see that so Um, more more solo pieces next mm -hmm. time i would like to see i'd like to see her not have to necessarily prove herself you know she's underdog so much throughout this that it would be nice to see her not be an underdog for a moment mm-hmm. and better ops and eds please uh yes please like i don't uh give us more catchy music because that's what's gonna catch my eyes first but also don't make everything so bland mm-hmm. like the ed wasn't necessarily bland but it was just her walking up a staircase with a really pretty background and photos from the episode and to which i was just like eh. yeah but yeah. the op was just incredibly barren and the music was incredibly generic mm-hmm. to where and i, I just I, uh, sorry. you're good uh, you're good you go ahead <laughs> i was gonna say i i haven't fact checked the costume department but um i don't know if the dresses and everything that everyone was wearing are accurate to the time period i feel like visually like they seemed like they were, but I can't tell you if they actually were. Yeah, I can't either. Again, it seemed like they were, but I, I, I don't, I don't know enough about 14th century fashion to have an answer on that one. Yeah, it's like I know that they, like, they did the where they don't have like a defined waistline on the dresses, and I think that's fairly accurate. They're more like tunic style that are slightly tapered. I feel like that's accurate, but I don't know if that's accurate to the 14th century or like the 13th century. I couldn't tell you the difference, you know. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So I, I would be curious to see as to whether or not that would be accurate, and that's one of those things where I wouldn't mind for this show seeing one of those behind the scenes episodes where you get to see everyone doing their research and like art style and stuff Mm -hmm. because I would be really interested to know if they do fact check all of the costumes and stuff that they do Mm -hmm. yeah I I don't know I definitely look forward to a second season if they ever do get one because I'm intrigued to see where it goes for sure yeah I feel like it's a good foundation for a second season 
I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I I feel like it I don't want to see it like continue as it is. I only want to see it grow. Yeah, like it needs growth. If they came out with a second season that was exactly like the first, I'd probably end up shitting all over it. Yeah, same. Because I like what they did and I like the story that they told, but they need they to more. go up from here and make Arte as a artist grow more versus mm-hmm. doing like a repeat of everything that's happened so far. Yeah. Yeah, I I would I mean if they did continue it on that line, I feel like you could very easily do like 200 episodes and make it a very casual slice of life, you know? And then it's a different genre. But I feel mm-hmm. like for what they're going for, it needs more. Yeah, with the time skips that have happened, it needs to go bigger and better for yeah. the second season. But if everything that had taken place in this season took place in the span of like three months, then I could definitely see them trying to go for a long con type setup. Yeah. Yeah. Or but, yeah, they like can if only they just didn't mention time periods. <laughs> like Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I look forward to seeing what they do next, just because mm-hmm. the manga is still obviously ongoing, so there's there's definitely hope for a second season and see where they go from here. Yeah, I feel like I rated it maybe high. I don't know. I It's kind of like, I do have an emotional attachment to it, though, because it is very much focused on a genre of art that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm being, like, squishy about it. I feel like I don't know, because <laughs> Seven is just what immediately stuck in my mind. I don't know if I actually sat down and thought about it, what I would give it, because there's so much to take into consideration, but a Seven is just what popped in my mind first. Yeah, but I feel like But the fact that you actually had a... To the fact that you had an emotional connection to it, at least on the level of art that was there, that an eight definitely makes sense mm-hmm. in your perspective, just because of the connection that you had with it and yeah, the relatability well, I, I to can, it. Yeah, I can see a lot of, you know, artists that I know within the characters within the show as well. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's that definitely affects people. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. So plugs? Plugs. So you can find the absolutely lovely Blue Lavender on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Blue Lavender. She is still on hiatus, but, you know, if you if you go drop her a follow and hit that bell, then you'll be notified whenever she does get back to streaming. She also has an Instagram and Twitter at Blue Lavender STM, where she likes to post the occasional photo and life update. Yeah, yeah. Most of my online presence has kind of been halted right now because I've been working on some really, really cool, fun projects that I am super excited to tell you about. The Odd Pod movie is still um, uh, doing its thing, so we promise to give you more information on that as soon as we can on our socials. Be sure to check that out because both Brad and I are involved in that, and being the anime podcast gets a shout out in it, so that's super cool. Uh, yeah, I gave more release details in the last episode. Mm-hmm. I got the okay to give the website link and everything else so oddpodmovie.co.uk if you want to be able to pre-order the film or if you have prime and you're in the north american territories or the uk you'll be able to get it on prime for free or you can rent it and or purchase it if you don't have prime or again the website if you want an actual physical blu-ray or dvd copy yeah yeah be sure to check out the um youtube channel for it as well which i believe is just odd pod two words Mm -hmm. so yeah be sure to check that out too but yeah uh that's a project that both brad and i have been working on and brad and i have also been working on more projects that you will see in the future also super exciting stuff so get prepared for that but if you want less of me and more of brad because i know he's better than me so you know that's how it works don't don't you don't 
<laughs> Don't you put that on me. We all know that you're the heart and soul of this. After mm. last week, everyone's sick of me. Uh, uh, well, if you want more Brad, you can find him <laughs> on Twitch at Brad Carter Gaming. And you can also find him on Instagram at Brad Carter Gaming. He doesn't have a Twitter, but he does have a uh, really fun anime posting meme thing that he does on our Instagram, BNB Anime. We're also BNB Anime over on Twitter as well, so you will be able to find all of our links there for all the stuff that we're involved in. Anytime we're involved in any fun projects, we drop the links on Twitter and uh, yeah, give a shout out, shout out to all of our friends that are doing really cool stuff there too. Also, updates on the podcast, everything like that all comes out there, so be sure to check that out. We're also on YouTube. I've forgotten how to do this. Can you tell? It's been a while. <laughs> I can't remember how to, how to outro. How do I do this? You got uh, this. I never do it, so don't don't pay attention to last week's version of the outro, because... <laughs> uh, yeah, you can find us on YouTube at BNB Anime there as well. We're BNB Anime on pretty much everything. If you're trying to find anything, just BNB Anime, and we're, we're there. Um... And yeah, so on our YouTube channel, we have all of our previously archived episodes with some fancy old thumbnails, but you can hit us up in those comments section to leave us answers to questions that we've asked throughout the show. You can leave us your thoughts and opinions, whether or not you think we are big dumb for what we rated these shows and what you would personally rate them. And any recommendations of things to watch in the future, things that you think we should cover second seasons of, all that jazz, you can all find that, drop that down in the comment sections. We'll absolutely love to hear from you. And that's probably the best way to reach us. But then there is more. There is more as well. We have our website, www.bnbanime.com, where we have all of our previously archived episodes, along with all the platforms to be able to download them on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that kind of stuff, all linked there, along with background on Brad and me, some of our art stuff as well. So if you're interested in what our art looks like, you can find that on the website, along with some projects that we've been working on, some voice acting stuff, friends of the show, all that kind of stuff. It's all on the website. Everything's linked there. We have so many different things to plug. Be sure to check them all out if you're interested in learning more about who we are. <laughs> I think that's everything. Okay. Did I cover everything? I think so. YouTube. I, I think you website. got everything. YouTube, website, all the Twitter, Instagram, plugs you. from Twitch, yep. all that fun stuff. Okay. I think I got everything. Okay. So, next week, one of the highest rated, most known sports anime of all time, Haikyuu. I have chibis of them on my wall right now. I know that typically whenever you think of sports anime, Haikyuu is one of the first ones to come up. The OP is one of the most well-known of all time as well. I am excited to actually be able to sit down and get into it. I It's one of those that I kind of slacked on. I watched the first episode of and then got busy and completely forgot about it. Mm -hmm. And one of our viewers is actually a volleyball player, so I know that she will definitely appreciate the episode as well. Yeah, it's one of those ones that the biggest thing that sticks out to me in my brain, because I've watched pretty much all of it. I think I haven't watched the latest season. But uh, yeah, I've watched pretty much all of it before. And the thing that sticks out the most in my brain is the facial expressions. Mm -hmm. So I'm super excited to dive back into it, especially the first season. I haven't seen the first season in years. So yeah, looking forward to watching it again. I'm looking forward to it as well. So if you want to hear our thoughts and opinions on it and all that fun stuff, check us out next week. But until then, thank you all so much for listening. Blue and I appreciate it. And we'll catch y'all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.